0: in another episode of the Wobcast 2.0 coming at you with lots to discuss today. As Giles, my partner and co-host, comes in, Giles and I kick off a series of content for you here in the early portions of the offseason as we continue to put a bow on the 2023 season and look ahead to 2024. As you all can remember, Heading into the 2023 season, we went through each position group uh, for the Minnesota Vikings and stacked it against the rest of the NFC North to see where we stood. Well, we're going to do something similar here in review as we go position by position on the Vikings roster, give each position group a grade, and take a look at how the Vikings can improve that position heading into 2024. So we're excited to do that for you, and we're going to start things off with this series today by taking a look at the running backs. Before we get going with that, let's bring in my partner and co-host, Giles. Hey, partner, how we doing?
1: Hey, hey, happy Friday. I got snow all over the ground. I made a joke last week that maybe we wouldn't get snow for the rest of this offseason. And of course, (laughs) here we're smacked right in the face with a lot of snow. So uh, I'm sorry for that one. I'm shouldering that blame. Uh, But excited to talk about the running back room here today. There's a lot to talk about. Definitely one of the... I think it's fair to say major inefficiencies of the Minnesota Vikings in the 2023 season. There are definitely some things that work, definitely things that did not work. And I think there's a lot of options of how we can improve. So excited to talk yeah.
0: about it. I am too. I feel the same way. Um, let's get right into it, Giles. I think you, you segued us perfectly there. Um, and so the way we're going to break these things down is we are going to just take a look at what worked and what didn't. Um, you know, I take a look at the running back room, Giles, and obviously a room in transition last year, right? With you know, Delvin cook out and they turned the keys over to Alexander Madison from a, an RB one standpoint. And, um, instead of sort of rebuilding the room, um, what they just did is promoted everyone. So cook gone, you bump Madison up to RB one, Ty Chandler wins the RB two job. And then they kind of had, um, a mixture of players as RB three, my favorite one of the, group of RB3s was uh, an acquisition from the Rams, and that being Cam Akers, um, who came in and sparked a little bit before he got hurt. Um, and then I think we'd be remiss not to at least mention in passing C.J. Ham, who is a part of that room and um, is one of the better fullbacks in the NFL. But when it comes to the performance of the running game and the running back room, I think he's a little bit isolated or separate from that. But we do want to mention the fact that he's a great player for the Vikings, both on offense and special teams. Um Shifting our focus, though, to the, the pure running backs, the runners, and, and the production, not very good. Um, 29th and rushing at 91.4 yards. Only eight teams had a lower yards per carry average. The Vikings were tied for the fewest rushing touchdowns with seven. Generally, Giles, just no explosion in this group. And I'm not saying that Madison can't be explosive. I'm not saying Ty Chandler can't be explosive. Ty Chandler had a 100-yard game uh, late in the season. I'm just saying it wasn't there consistently for the Vikings last year. So at first blush, the signals are not good, Giles. This was not a productive part of the Vikings' offense, and we're going to get into this in a little bit. But quite frankly, I don't think Kevin O'Connell really – put things behind it that indicated it was an important part of the offense for him either. Um, But, you know, at at first blow at first blush, just not a very good season for the, for the Vikings running backs.
1: Yeah. I think that's uh, definitely important thing to call out there uh, when it comes to the priority of the running back room and the position on the field, because ultimately you, you are absolutely correct with all the different stats that you just laid out. But I think it's also important to recognize that we had the third fewest running attempts in the nfl right so when you look at production you also have to look at attempts right um so when you look at the aggregate over that i think there are some bright spots to look at here when it when it comes to improving the running back room this offseason and i think this maybe will shed a little bit of light into a different positional group that we'll look into uh uh, later this offseason um But ultimately, I think the running back room and the offensive line are kind of a unique marriage. I think a lot of people look at the offensive line and the quarterback as a marriage. And I think in the run game, the offensive line and the running back are definitely a marriage. And um, I think not only obviously the the uh, attempts were were not in a great place. We're definitely a passing offense. I think I don't necessarily see that changing a ton. I do see some adjustments happening because ultimately our. Red zone offense was greatly affected by our run game. We could not run in the red zone and people knew we're going to pass and it became very one-dimensional and that prevented a lot of scoring potential. Uh, but when you look at, uh, specifically Ty Chandler and cam makers, um, through the totality of the season, I think there's some real interesting bright spots here when it comes to looking at what worked and what did not. And when you're looking at, uh, both Ty Chandler and cam makers, there was a very specific commonality in their success. And there was a very specific deficiency when it came to, or a commonality in their deficiency when it came to lack of production. So Ty Chandler, when running through the gap between the left tackle and the left guard, very specifically, Ty Chandler averaged 7.6 yards per carry.
0: Yes, please. I'll take more of that.
1: Cam Akers averaged 5.0 yards per carry when specifically running through the left tackle and left guard. Now, to kind of remind the audience, we obviously have Christian at left tackle. And until later in the season, we had Ezra Cleveland, who is amazing at run blocking. Until at left he was guard. traded. Yep, yep. Exactly. He traded to the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, did some decent things over there. Um, but ultimately, we had pretty amazing success when running through that gap because we had two above-average run blockers at that position, right? We were doing great. However, when you translate that to the right side between the right tackle and the right guard, Brian O'Neill, obviously stud right tackle at both run and pass, but you had Ed Ingram at right guard who is less than less than great uh, at at both of those positions uh, uh, at the red guard (laughs) position and Ty Chandler went from a 7.6 yards per carry on the other side of the the fence to a 1.9 yards per carry when running through the right side. I think that is an interesting stat. And when you look at cam makers went from 5.0 on the left side to 1.5 on the right side. So clearly we had a very hard time running the ball on the right side of the offensive line. And I think, if you're trying to improve the running back room, improve the right side of your offensive line, more specifically your right guard position. And I think that instantly improves. If you were able, able to instantly improve your production, when I, I mean that from the, the attempt standpoint, if you increase yeah. your attempts, you increase your production at right guard, I instantly think your yards per carry gets better. Now, uh, obviously there's a few different things that go there. I think Alexander Madison... After the 2023 season, I'm not a great fan of him because I think he didn't have great performance across either of those categories, but yeah. I think speaks to him as a, as a player. I'm a big fan of Cam Akers. I think he's a great, um, had an overall uh, a great production when he was on the field before he got hurt at the end of the year or you know, for the rest of the year. Um, but I think that's kind of an interesting spotlight. Uh, I'll let you chat about what you think about that. But I think the right and left side of the offensive line are definitely a contributor to both success and efficiency.
0: Yep, and, and these are things, gals, that they look at. They absolutely look at this. You've hit a really, really important note here where there is marriage between the backs and the scheme and the offensive line. And, um, you know, you want to look at, you know, where are we good at running it? Because it's, it's, you can't just be like, oh, we got to get better at running the ball. Like that's, you know,
1: <laughs> it's like, that's try like being, harder,
0: do better. Yeah, what does exactly. That mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to get better at like individual things that will lead to you being a better rushing offense, and and it's yeah. not just on the running backs to be better, it's yeah. it's on a, a lot of people to be better. So, I think you hit on a couple other things though that I, it's almost like you took them from my uh, my notes here. Um. You know, <laughs> I had the I had chicken and egg argument, okay, where I said it should be noted that only if I had we might, maybe I was looking at something outdated, but I had only four teams had fewer rushing attempts than the Vikings. So I don't know if we were third fewest or fifth fewest, but either way you get the oh, point. Okay. Yep. Like we, we didn't run the ball very much. And yep. it's not like the Vikings were losing a bunch of games by three touchdowns and had to throw all the time. It's just Kevin O'Connell didn't call runs. And we talked about this a lot. It's like, Well, maybe it's because he knows that we're, we're not very good at it. So why am I going to sit there and run the ball and be stuck behind the chains and have long to go distances on second and third down? So, so, you know, in order to call more runs, you know, you got to convert on third down and stay on the field and and you got to be able to block it. And maybe the Vikings weren't able to do that, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note that and, And then you hit the nail on the head too with red zone offense. If you look either historically or even just last year at the best red zone offenses, they are more likely than not also teams that run the ball um, with frequency and efficiency. Mm -hmm. That's just how it goes. And the reason is the red zone is a condensed area. It's harder to be productive passing the ball because there's less ground for the secondary to cover, the defense Mm -hmm. to cover. So if you can run the ball in the red zone, you're going to have success because you're not relying on the pass also you're better in short yardage um, situations and you're better holding on to leads um in the second half of games because you're shortening the game yep by being able to run the ball and the Vikings were not good in any of these areas and a lot of it is because they weren't able to run the ball so um you know we're we're singing the same tune here a little bit and we both are going to be looking for ways that the Vikings could be a better rushing offense in 2024 and While I agree with you that I'm not a big Alexander Madison guy, I think the job can get done with Madison. Um, I I think the the importance or the key is going to be what they do um, with the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be in favor of kind of moving on from Madison. I don't know if that's a trade or a cut or whatever. I don't know what the dead cap situation is. Mm -hmm. But I don't love paying this position. And I think you could get the job done with Ty Chandler and Cam Akers uh, and maybe a rookie. I know they drafted one last year in the seventh round, but maybe another one. Because if you block it the right way and call it the right way, you can get the job done with mid-round picks. Look at – the other thing is I think there is an inherent adaptability in the Kevin O'Connell offense. And the reason I think that is I've seen him adapt with Minnesota, but more importantly, Giles, he comes from – Most recently, the Rams and Sean McVay. And I have seen the Rams improve their run game drastically from 2021 and 2022 to 2022 and 2023. Their run game has improved drastically. And look at Kyron Williams, a fifth round pick from Notre Dame, took the league by storm. I think he had 100 scrimmage or rushing yards in almost every game in the last half of last season. Um, And I think if you really looked into the tape, you would see an adjustment, not just going to Kyron Williams for the Rams, but an adjustment in their run scheme. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think there is inherent adaptability in this scheme that Kevin O'Connell can look at what Sean McVay did and do something similar. And Mm -hmm. I don't think the Vikings will become a run first operation, but I think they can get a little bit better at it. And I think that helps if you if you bring cousins back or if you play a young quarterback, it's going to help that person. Either one, because Cousins loves play action um, and a young quarterback would benefit greatly from a good running game. So I think this should be an I'm all behind. I'm all about Kevin O'Connell, his stamp being a passing offense in Minnesota, especially with Addison and Jefferson. I'm okay with that. Um, And Hawkinson, I'm okay with being a 65 percent passing team. But you still have to have teeth in the running game to be effective throughout the course of the game and to be effective in key moments. The good news is I think there's adaptability in this scheme to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, kind of the foundation of all the things that you're saying is that our run game at least needs to be respected by the other team because it was not this last year and teams weren't loading up the box on a perceivably run play when they knew we were going to pass. And then ultimately that's half of the formula for a defense is deciding if you're going to run or pass, right? So they already had half the answers to the test that puts us at a disadvantage. Now, I think because of our amazing offenses or amazing offensive weapons we were able to still overcome that but imagine if we actually had a legitimate run game and that's where obviously there's a lot of different options to fix it you mentioned one of them being improve your schematics and try to leverage the players you have because ultimately alexander madison is under contract next year and i believe it's a pretty decent sized dead cap hit if you move off of him okay uh, which is not a great position now uh, you know if i could have my my perfect you know, pie in the sky scenario, I would like to re-sign cam Akers. Um, I would like him to be RB two. And to be honest, I would go free agency or draft for RB one, uh, in terms mm-hmm. of prioritization when it mean when it comes to, uh, prioritizing your, your red zone offense, um, and let Ty Chandler be your third. And you have three premier backs at each of those respective positions. I think Cam Akers would be an amazing RB2, and Ty Chandler is an amazing RB3. And you okay. ask any of those guys to step up, and I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, but with that being said, I'm not looking to go break the bank either at this position.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not either. I, there's, there's too many needs along the offensive line. I've mm-hmm. been on record here with us as saying I think they need another pass catcher mm-hmm. uh, with Hawkinson on the mend. And with Kevin O'Connell clearly being a pass-first guy, they need another pass catcher. And then they need all sorts of help on defense. So I don't think they're wise to spend an an A-level asset um, to add a running back talent. Now, you can point to, look what the Lions did with Montgomery and Gibbs and San Francisco and McCaffrey. Like There are times when you go blue-chip level player at the running back position. The Vikings are not one of those cases. The Vikings need to get it done with a committee, with a collection of players, and they need to focus their improvement on offensive line and then being a really sharp passing attack and have the running game be a complementary piece um, that they can lean on in key and clutch situations. So um, I'm all about the Cam Akers thing, Giles. I think he absolutely should be included, assuming he can get back, be healthy and be what he Mm -hmm. was pre-injury. You know, there just was something that looked and felt right with him in the mm-hmm. offense. He fit it. And yep. he came from the Rams, which run yep. they run the same thing. So no surprise there, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, another thing I had on here too was that Cam Akers situation was one of the biggest examples of hey, trust Kevin O'Connell when it comes to offensive personnel. He will tell you what he needs and what will work. He knows. Mm-hmm. He played the position. He's coached the position. He comes from McVay. They have a keen eye on on personnel fitting scheme and matching that up. So trust yep. him with offense. If he says, yep. hey, this Cam Akers guy can do it, he can do it. If he says, hey, Jordan Addison, stick with the plan. Let's stick with Jordan Addison. Go get him. Look what happened. Yep. So O'Connell has proved his mettle there. Um, And so let him go and identify some pieces to improve the running game. And it it will happen. Even if that includes adjusting some scheme.
1: Yep. Uh, And I think, after the 2023 season ended, there was a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans that were trashing Kevin O'Connell and Quisio Mensah on not addressing the the running back room because it we had a horrible uh, stat line. Essentially, we were one, they were last in almost every category, and there was a lot of a lot of hate thrown at them. And ultimately, that all those stats are true, but I think people misremember how the 2023 season actually played out. I actually believe they were pretty great at responding when things didn't go well i mean the running back room was not doing well and they went and traded for cam Akers to fix it now the only unfortunate part is that after what four or five games and he went down with an acl like that's not kevin o'connell or quesito Fomenza's fault right like that Mm -hmm. is unfortunate timing but they took a stab at fixing it and in my opinion for a very short term while cam Akers was healthy they did fix the position so i think it's unfair to criticize them after the 2023 season saying like oh like, clearly, they don't know what they're doing with the running game. Like, ultimately, they were they were dealing with third string everything, right, uh, across yeah. the board. So I think there is a moment of pause and a moment of grace to give to both of those guys. And I think simply bringing everyone back healthy does fix a lot of those things, if we're being completely yeah. honest. And, I mean, all of the offense are kind of a, 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 a tightly... Aligned mechanism where if you have failure at one position that can lead failure to another because you might build your entire offensive schematics based on one person doing one thing and another person doing one or doing another yeah. and if one of those players goes down and you have to adjust that your entire game plan that you may have worked on during the offseason goes out the window so yeah. I think there's definitely some grace that needs to be given to both of those guys and I think uh, I I do trust them to your point on making the right adjustments here in the off season assuming injury goes away uh, and everyone's healthy that we'll be able to get back to true form.
0: Yep. Last thing here um before we give our grade for the position and then and then move on for the day. Um let's let's dig in a little bit more and then anything else that you have too we'll get to, Giles. Um mm-hmm. Personnel wise, I want to dig in a little bit here on Madison because I want to sort of land on an opinion of what this room should look like personnel wise uh, next season. You're right; he's under contract for 24. Base his his base salary is 3.3 million. His Mm -hmm. cap hit is four six. His dead cap is four. So. it's not devastating to move on from them. I mean, it's uh, very true.
1: Yeah, that's fair. When you put it that way, like you can swallow that.
0: I think, I think you could, unless I'm misreading this, but that that's what I'm reading. For some reason I thought his cap, it was a
1: little bit higher, but me too. uh, I did too. But if that's the number I'll, I'll do that. Um, I like Alexander Madison as a person. I think he's a phenomenal human being. I think he's a big oh, piece yeah. of that locker room, but I think unfortunately his production is not where we need it to be. I think he was good as a, a counter punch as RB two. Uh, I think he does have some issues with reading, um, uh, reading holes. Like I, I think we've talked a little bit about this. When you think about Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison, I've been criticizing Ty Chandler about his selfishness. Like when you're running duo, for example, and you either run up the gut or you go around the outside. And if the team, the team that you're playing is loading up the box, that's a communication to the running back, you gotta go the outside. But yeah. if the team hasn't loaded up the box then run it up the gut, and that's an all but guaranteed way to get three yards, right? It's, it's part of your offensive playbook. We need three yards, let's run duo. And yep. there was far too many times where the teams did not load up the box and he still went on the outside. Because when you go on the outside, that's the biggest likelihood or statistical likelihood to go get a touchdown, like to go break break away. And he was – I I view that more as a selfish thing. He was just trying to go put numbers on the board. And it's like, nope, like the the point here is to go get three yards, not to go get a touchdown. Now, that sounds weird saying that out loud. But for the purpose of that play, like you are now losing yards because you went on the outside. Now, when I view Alexander Madison, I view him as someone that can't adequately actually read. Now that maybe that's an unfair critis- or criticism, but I view him as someone that's not necessarily selfish. He's he's not good at reading holes.
0: Yeah, and you might if he be good right read about the that.
1: hole. He goes great. Like if he has yeah. a hole, if he has a great offensive line blocking for him, I think he can do the job. So if your entire offensive uh, or off-season strategy is to go bulk up at your offensive line from a running uh, game perspective, then maybe you can run with Alexander Madison. If you feel like you can more adequately handle timing and make better holes, you can make that work. But ultimately I think aside of that, I'd be willing to move off of him.
0: Yep. So I think Madison would be your hammer. Like yeah. I think he'd be David Montgomery in the Montgomery yeah. Gibbs thing. Or if yep. you remember Kamara and Mark Ingram. Yeah. You know, he's a lower level Mark Ingram and David Montgomery. Like he's a not, definitely a notch below those two guys, but that's the yeah. role. He's the, he's yep. the hammer role. I think someone else Cam Akers, Ty Chandler, free agent, draft pick would be sort of the the explosive guy, the mm. dynamic guy, the pass yep. catcher. Yep. Um I guess at four, at 4 million I can live with keeping him or or taking the hit and letting him walk. Yep. But I, you know, bef- before we, before the Vikings let Cook go and pointed to Madison as the guy, so Madison was your legit bona fide RB2. I mean, he's yep. good in that role. Yep. I think you're fine yeah, yeah. there. I think the problem yep. becomes when he gets elevated to be the guy, he's yep. a low level the guy, you know? So yep. bring him back down to where he was, where he's a high level RB2, yep. and you've got someone else in there who's splashier and more dynamic. And, yep. I don't know if Cam Akers is talented and good enough to be that. I also like Cam Akers in a complimentary role. So, you know, the Vikings got to sort of figure out how they want to do that. But more importantly, they got to block it right, and they got to adjust their scheme to their personnel. And I think if they can do those two things, I think they'll be fine whether it's Madison and Akers or Akers and a new guy or Chandler and a new guy and Akers. Whatever that personnel mix is, I think is less important then getting it right with scheme and getting better blockers.
1: So let me run another scenario past you. Cause I am completely in your camp. If I'm arguing for uh, any type of off season move and pounding the table for it, I'm, I'm siding with you, but to play devil's advocate here, um, there are some certain players that I think are able to overcome some offensive line deficiencies. Yes, yes. Uh, There are, I mean, there's not a ton of them, but there are a few of them. And one guy that comes to mind uh, is becoming a free agent this year and I want to run a scenario past you okay if you had Ty Chandler at RB3 you re Cam Akers at RB2 you uh cut or trade Alexander Madison and you leave RB1 open so now you have a, a four million dollar dead cap it let's just call it four million dollar dead cap it if you could sign Derrick Henry for an eight million dollar contract one year I mean, ultimately, he is 30 years old, so he's definitely on the tail end of his career. They still had 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns in 2023. But if you could sign him for $8 million, would you sign him at RB1? Man, my... He made $12.5 million last year, just to put it into reference.
0: Does that throw your identity into crisis mode, though? Your identity is put the ball in the quarterback's hands and throw it a bunch and score a lot of points and Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Yep. Do you feel forced to run the ball a bunch because you got Derrick Henry back there at $8 million? So I'm, I, I'm on yeah. the no, I'm saying okay. no, but um, talk, talk to would me. Would there if be you disagree. a number
1: that would get you there? Cause the only reason I bring it up is, is uh, the illusion hmm. of, of control and the illusion of a run game to try to build a threat on the other team, because ultimately teams didn't respect a run game, but if you have Derrick Henry back there, they can't help, but uh, uh, respect it. Right? So if you're in a position that becomes so much more dynamic. Now, I think the entire conversation is predicated on whether or not Derrick Henry is okay. Taking a backseat role. Now, the fact that he's 30 years old and I mean, his production is about ready to fall off a cliff based on the running back formula like if he'd be willing to come over to a win now window it would have to be a win now window I think um still pay him eight million not four million right so he'd still be getting some type of pay and having him be okay with a, a backseat role I'm not saying I'm in love with it but I'm just trying to think about all the different ways to fix the running back room when it comes to having other teams respect us and having production in the red zone is that an interesting option? I don't know. You'd still have a $12 million overall cap hit with a $4 million dead with Alexander Madison and an $8 million cap hit from Derrick Henry, but just throwing it out there.
0: Yeah. So I think your number is good. Like, I think you'd have to come to an understanding with Derrick about the role. Like, you're not getting 20 carries a game. There might be some games where you do. But it's yep. not, you're not the bell cow. You, you are, you know, a, we're bringing you in as a high level supplemental component to the offense where we know that we can take a sledgehammer to this thing and get better, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of being a surgeon and getting a little bit better at right guard, tweaking the left guard and getting a little bit better there. Adjust the scheme a little bit and find the right mix at running back, and then we generated some improvement in the run game. Instead of doing all that, it's just uh, let's just get Derrick Henry and smash him in there. Yep. That's that's what that is. Yep, it's a one shortcut. of the reasons
1: I bring that up as a as an option is that when I look at the the solves so to speak on the offensive line, when you look at the left guard position, obviously we traded away Ezra Cleveland. He was a top ten run blocker in the NFL, and we've replaced him with. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, uh, Dalton Reisner. He replaced him yep. with Dalton Reisner. He is above average at run blocking. Uh, well, in certain respects, he's above average at run blocking. He allowed zero sacks this season, which is ultimately the true category. I yep. don't think he is as great as other people make him out to be. I think he is us a guy that (laughs) sloppily gets it done if that's the right word to say I don't think he's super efficient I don't think he is great in a lot of things I think he still allows pressure but at the end of the day he's not going to let anyone sack his quarterback right now I'll take that like when you think about a guy that's going to protect your quarterback he's not going to do all the things right but at least he'll make sure that the most important thing happens right yeah but he is not good at run blocking and I think all signs point to us signing re-signing Dalton Reisner because he's a free agent technically and that is not going to solve your run game, right? You are, you're prioritizing your pass game, which is important and definitely the right priority when it comes to our offense, but you're not going to get better offensive line wise when it comes to your, your production in the run game. And I gave you the aggregate scores for Ty Chandler and cam makers. When you look at 7.6 yards per carry between the left and right guard, that is with a huge sample size. When Ezra Cleveland was the left guard, I think yeah. that immediately goes down with Dalton Reisner at light left guard in 2024. So either you need to reprioritize who you're taking at left guard from a running back or running game perspective, or you go get someone like Derrick Henry that's able to overcome those specific things? Man, There's not many people that point. can. And I'm, I'm usually a position of fix the offensive line. If you're going to pick one or the other, pick the offensive line, but Derek Henry would be the one, probably the one guy in the free agency that I would trust to overcome that.
0: Oh man. That's a good point, Giles, because I- in a vacuum, I'm I'm on the Dalton Reisner train. I'm I'm saying mm-hmm. bring him back. Yep. Um. So you're saying, okay, that's fine. We can do that, and we're going to be better pass protecting, but we we didn't fix the run blocking thing. No. So now I'm more inclined to be like, okay, where's the sledgehammer? Uh, hey, yep. hey, Derek, <laughs> come on in. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. Eight eight numbers a good number. Uh, or is a good number. Um, I'm looking at at spot rack for. Yep calculated market value and it's 10.3 million
1: okay. so
0: um i think we're in Definitely. the ballpark yeah. there with him and yep. you can close that gap with uh cash and incentives and all sorts yep. of things yep oh man i don't Plus hate he's 30
1: it. years old so he may not necessarily be out to get the bag like the complete bag and also you're 30 years old and you know the the typical formula has running backs falling off a cliff at that age so maybe he'd be more willing to take a reduced role to try to prolong his career. Like he doesn't, I mean, now that's me assuming that may be a total wrong position to have, but maybe he's willing to do 10 to 15 carries a game, not 20 to 30, because that means he's going to play longer and he still gets a adequate play time. And he might have a chance at a ring. Now that's yep. me being a Homer very clearly with that last comment, but, uh, <laughs> <you know.
0: laughs> well now if you it's, and it's also the type of move Giles that really resonates with veteran, with veteran players on your roster, Yep. Um. So let's say it doesn't work out with Kirk Cousins coming back and you end up probably going with a, you know, Sam Darnold and then you're mm-hmm. going to draft one. Right. Yep. Yep. That doesn't resonate with veterans. But yep. let's say you do this. Let's say you go that route. Cousins is gone, but yep. you sign Derrick Henry and maybe another sort of name that people know. And then you get your hands on Jaden Daniels at LSU. Like Jefferson's going to be good with that. You know, he's good there. In fact, that's a great
1: formula for a rookie quarterback to be successful because you want good receivers, good protection, and a good run game. I mean, ultimately, that's the best case scenario. Uh, But if you bring in all those things, you really have uh, a fringe top 10 offensive line when everyone's healthy. You would have an immediately uh, above average running back room, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm disagreeing. Oh, uh, I don't imagine an immediate uh, shelf life where uh, Derrick Henry falls off the shelf. Uh, your wide receiver room is best in breed. Like that is the perfect scenario for a rookie quarterback. If you're ever trying yep. to make a run with a rookie, like that's the one.
0: Yep. I, I mean, if you're all also, I'm thinking about this. So I, I agree with that. You're talking me into this, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you consider what you're paying for Madison, Derrick Henry at eight or 9 million is an absolute. Yes. Yep. Don't you think? I oh, mean, uh,
1: of course. Yeah. It's more he, about he, having to pay to get rid of Alexander Madison. and I then also pay Derek, but I know. So you have a $12 million cap hit between the RB one position, but <sighs> which I don't love, but I'd be willing to do it specifically for Derek. I don't think I would do it for a Tony Pollard or for a Saquon Barkley. I know a yeah, lot be, of people high in Saquon. I don't think he's at the level of Derek but,
0: Henry, but the reason is because you're saying he is a bit of an eraser when it comes to bad run blocking yes. um, a, a lot like Adrian was, Yes, um, yes. you know, correct. Adrian did that for the Vikings. Um, they weren't a, a dominant elite run blocking team with Adrian here. They just had Adrian Peterson. Now that's no yep. disrespect. I mean, we had Steve Hutchinson, um, mm-hmm. for a while there and he was very good. Um, so Steve was elite at run blocking, but mm-hmm. you know, as a whole, like Adrian probably, um, you know, erased a lot of mistakes when it came to run blocking with some of those offensive lines, especially later on in his tenure with Minnesota. So, and Derrick Henry is that player. He can do that for you. Um, this, to me, is a possibility. I think this is one of the. This is not the the route I would draw up and choose at the start of the off season, but this is one of those. Ah, we had to adjust and we ended up doing this. This is yep. feasible and acceptable to me.
1: Yep, hundred percent. And I think uh, although it's a little bit different. There is some formula things to pull from, from the Miami Dolphins. Um, if you followed their their performance across the board, they were a great offense this year, right? They had a lot of great yeah. weapons. Um, they, for most of the season, were number one, at least PFF-wise, in the, the run game, uh, the Miami Dolphins were. They had a 91.9 PFF grade across the board in the run game. And they actually had, I believe, a bottom uh, a bottom 10 run blocking unit. But they had the best run game in the NFL through the majority of the season. And I think that's another formula to pull from. If you can find a a blocking eraser, I think that is is something to look into, right? Now, if you feel like you can go get a different option at left guard and, and help your right guard, I'm I'm willing to have that conversation. But that is l- a little bit more of an unclear option of how to fix that because yeah. I think all signs point to us re-signing Dalton Reisner and mm-hmm. finding another right guard. Are you willing to move off of Ed, Ed Ingram? I would be uh, the frame of mind. Yes. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's kind of a question mark. So I don't know. It's kind of an interesting option.
0: It is. I like it. I like that line of thinking. And, you know, you have to have, you know, you, you construct your off season plan, the, the path you're going to go down, but you need to have little offshoots, little mm-hmm. alternative things to go to, to do in the event, your primary plan doesn't work. And yeah. if this is one of those little offshoots, I'm, I'm there for it. I think yep. it's a good one. Truthfully, I didn't even think of it. My, you know, I didn't even consider it uh, because yep. to me, it's not a great scheme fit. But that's kind of the point. It's, um, it's an eraser of it, it's. It's sort of a cheat code for not being able to fix the run blocking part of it.
1: This is a, an overly dramatic way to put it, but it's almost like. You stumbled into a little bit of money, not a lot of money, but a little bit of money and you get a nice house and uh, you very clearly don't know how to drive stick and you want your neighbors to think you're really, you've really made it. So you go out and rent a Ferrari. You don't buy it, but yeah. you rent it and you put it in your front yard and everyone thinks like, Whoa, they yeah. really made it. Like I don't know how to drive that thing, but like yeah. it's, everyone's going to think that it's a big deal. And I think, Although that's an overly dramatic way to say it. I think when it comes to getting other teams to respect your run game and to increase your production when it comes to red zone, that would be a fix. That certainly would be a fix.
0: I like that. That's very good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And look, the Vikings are, although last season was a, a very big disappointment from an expectation standpoint and from a talent on the roster standpoint, the Vikings are in the tier of gunning for it next year. Like 2024, mm-hmm. I think if you asked right now, if you asked a Vikings fan or Mark Wilf or Justin Jefferson and his agent, like we're, we're going for it next year. And Derrick Henry, an acquisition like that is in line with that mindset, mm-hmm. right? So, yep, 100%. interesting. Well, yep. My, my grade for this position group, Giles, in 2023 was two on a scale of one to ten. Okay. An addition like this would certainly help imp- increase that number, I would think. Um, so I don't want to focus too much on the grade for this one because it's so negative. But I think it was very—it's very difficult to feel good about the running back room last year for the Vikings. They—they they come in with a very low grade for me. We're going to assign a grade to every room uh, as we do this, you know, evaluation, you know, in review. And I ended up at a two for for the Vikings running back room. How about you?
1: Uh, honestly, we're in the same spot now. I, I came out uh, additionally with a, a two out of ten score. If we re-sign uh, Cam Akers, I'm willing to bump that up to a three point five or a four, um, yeah. which is still not a great grade, but I think that that definitely solidifies it. But he's technically a free agent, so I didn't factor that into my score. So I believe we're yeah. at a two currently yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm a Cam Akers guy. I hope he's back too. I think it's a great fit, uh, great scheme fit. Um, so I think that would um, that would bolster the the Vikings' chances of, of improving as a running back group in 2024. Um, this is not a, a do-or-die situation for the Vikings to get better at running the ball and get better at the running back room, but it's not an irrelevant one either. Um, they they got to bump it up a little bit. Um, and if they do, they will reap the rewards when it comes to short yardage and red zone, and that's ultimately the benefit that they'll gain. And, and it would help every once in a while to get a 60-yard run for a touchdown or to flip field position, wouldn't it? And they just, that just didn't happen for the Vikings yep. last year. So, yep. um, all right. Hope you guys enjoyed this exercise. We're going to do it uh, for every position group up and down the Vikings roster up next is going to be cornerback. So Giles and I will go back to the drawing board and evaluate the cornerback room. Um, before we go though, let's have an on air production meeting, Giles. We should also do quarterbacks, right? So oh, yeah.
1: How,
0: how do we want to do that? You know, it's really all about cousins. Um, we don't know what's going to happen yet with Cousins, but we want to evaluate the quarterback room. So we're going to have to do that at some point here. I think it's more of a theoretical discussion. Um, so for those um, who are you know interested in this series of looking back on, on every position group and reviewing it, we are going to do quarterbacks. Um, but I don't think we can do it in this traditional sense. I think we're having a more uh, theoretical discussion. You know what I mean?
1: hundred percent. There's a lot of different decision tree moments from this where yes. you make yes. one move and the other dominoes fall because there's a lot of different factors that play into it because you're drafting at 11 and to draft a... A quarterback back that you may want, you might have to trade up. And obviously that costs capital and that can affect the rest of your team. There's payments yeah. involved when it when it comes to the the cap and paying Justin Jefferson and all those different things factor into the quarterback position. And whether or not you can even resign Justin Jefferson is part of that discussion. There's a yeah. chance that if you don't resign Kirk, that JJ walks, or at least Ooh. if you don't provide an adequate option at quarterback. The other thing that we'll walk into more is also your position of leverage. Um, you and I have both have talked a lot about like the styles of negotiation. And if you let Kirk walk in free agency and you go to the draft and you haven't traded up to like three, for example, and you want to go get a quarterback you are not going to have to overpay because you're paying a higher you're price. Yeah. Correct. For sure. Um, yep. So there's a lot of different factors that go into this and you got to have your plan a and your plan B. And you know, there's a lot of different ways for this to fail if we're being yep. honest.
0: Yep. There is. So they got to press the right buttons and figure it out. So uh, Giles and I will um, we'll do a quarterback. One of these as well. We'll have it in our back pocket and throw it out there when the time is right. But up next will be cornerbacks in our uh, position review series of the Vikings, 2023 uh, performance as we look ahead to 2024. All right, partner, that's it for me. You got anything else?
1: No, let's go sign Derek Henry.
0: All right. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sledgehammer time, baby. All right. If there you're not already, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe the webcast 2.0 on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, all the places. And once you do that, we will see you there. That's it for this episode of the Wabcast 2.0 on behalf of Giles. This is Wobby signing off for now, and until next time, Skull Vikings.